warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. A very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Hi, Scott here, as usual. At the other end of a Skype line, up in York, it's Stephen. Good morning. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Um, turned 50 last week, still suffering, you know. Um, people trying to assure me that 50 is the new 30. It's more like 50 is the new 75 from where I'm sitting at the moment. It's... <laughs> Well, you, you need to get plenty of naps. That's what you need yes. to do. Yeah. Well, let's tell the listener what happened. We're, rec- <laughs> we're, we're recording slightly later than usual. Because, yeah, 50 has taken its toll. I was out last night recording two episodes of the sister podcast, or the mother podcast, um, Stinking Paws, with Paul and, and Liam last night. And as usual, it, it, was, it was sort of fueled by a lot of alcohol. You know, we do we do need a lot of lubrication to do a couple of stinking balls episodes. Yeah, uh, and I, I got in. You know, did, to any of you youngsters out there, sort of two o'clock in the morning isn't particularly late. You know, but for me, that's that's just a couple of hours before I usually get up. Your bedtime is <laughs> usually about half past nine. So <laughs> it is. <laughs> so you know, I had a late one, and, and I did get up this morning. I got up at seven. Started getting things ready to, you know, get in touch with you and, and start, you know, plugging things in. And and, and I just sat down and, and I, I nodded off. Like a 70-year-old <laughs> man, I nodded off and completely missed our 10.30 deadline. But we're here. We're here now. Yeah. I mean, you've still got your, your, your tartan lap blanket over you, haven't I'll, you? I'll, but, don't, yeah, <laughs> don't want to get too cosy just in case. You know, I'll have a window open, have a stiff breeze at the back of my neck just to make sure... <laughs> <laughs> yes, turning 50, I recommend it to anybody to It's better than the alternative <laughs> It certainly is mate, 50 is the new 30 apparently, yeah. so let's see This week, let's get straight into it, this week is your choice, what are we going to be reviewing sir? Uh, this week we are reviewing Heavens Above mm. From 1963, directed by the Bolton Brothers, starring Peter Sellers, back after this If you're a fan of 50s and 60s British comedies, you'll probably be aware of the Bolting Brothers. The list of movies they produced and directed reads like a history of British cinema itself. Not just comedies, but dramas and thrillers dating back to the 40s. Take a listen to just some of these titles. Brighton Rock, The Guinea Pig, The Marvellous Seven Days to Noon and The Magic Box all released before 1951 but it's probably the following titles that we will forever associate them with, 
a series of smug, sardonic, farce-like comedies featuring a host of familiar faces. There's Private's Progress in 1956, Lucky Jim and Brothers-in-Law from 1957, Colton Brown of the F.O. and the superb I'm Alright Jack both released in 1959, boasting all-star casts including Ian Carmichael, Irene Handel, Terry Thomas, Dennis Price, Richard Attenborough, Miles Mallison and William Hartnell, and of course, common to many of these movies, the legendary Peter Sellers. Most of these actors I've mentioned would all reconvene the Heavens Above in 1963. Heavens Above is a charming but black comedy that deftly sends up the onset of modernity and deep into the heart of religion itself. The story takes place in a sleepy English town famous for one thing and one thing only. For it was here that the miracle drug Tranquilax was invented a remarkable three-in-one cure that is both a pick-me-up as well as a sedative and bizarrely a laxative. The town's prosperity is thanks to this remarkable tablet and the factory that makes it is the town's heart of its prosperity. A vacancy arises for that of local vicar and thanks to an administrative error the Reverend Smallwood played by Peter Sellers is appointed to take on the role. Now forget everything you thought you knew about Peter Sellers if you're only familiar with Inspector Clouseau or his multiple roles in Doctor Strangelove, be prepared for something different. A subtle performance that, if you scratch the surface, is actually something quite unique and totally unexpected. Smallwood is known for being something of a troublemaker. Not in a nasty way, it's just his what are perceived as radical views that tend to get him into bother. Immediately, he upsets the upper-class residents of the town, whose fortune has been accumulated largely to the production of Tranquilax. His first mistake is to employ the local dustman as his assistant. Not only a dustman, but a black one at that played here superbly by Hollywood star Brock Peters, probably more familiar to viewers from To Kill a Mockingbird. Smallwood takes in the extended family of Eric Sykes and Irene Handel, including more than a handful of their kids and other hangers-on. A bunch of work-shy benefit fraudsters, he soon has them living with him at the vicarage. Now, none of these actions are deliberately set out to upset the locals, but soon his piercing attacks on the general morals of his new parish begin to not only upset his parishioners, but hits home with a few of them as well. Smallwood believes that forgiveness and charity are the heart of being a good Christian, and he soon clashes with the narrow-minded and conservative locals. The head of the Tranquilax family begins to give away the family fortune to what she sees as the needy in the town. And without giving too much away here, things start to backfire as the town becomes the focus for national press, and drastic action needs to be taken before things go too far. Peter Sellers plays the role of Smallwood almost straight and dramatic here. His endless optimism is at the heart of the film, and it succeeds in holding the impressive cast together in a story that asks the question, is it possible to be just too generous? Look out for not only Eric Sykes and Irene Handel, as I said, but also Miriam Carlin, Bernard Miles, Joan Hickson, William Hartnell and Roy Kinnear. A Bolting Brothers classic that today is sadly not spoken about as much as, say, Private's Progress, Brighton Rock or I'm Alright Jack, but it's certainly worth your time.
day for me, my first patties, you know. Thank you, Rafa. Yeah, you cook the bread. Don't mind telling you, I'm very glad to have somebody to share it with. Your family, Rafa? Are they in the church too? Uh, no, my mum and dad used to keep a little grocery shop, but he barely kept them. There was always more money on the slate than there was in the till. Bless them, they could never refuse anybody. <laughs> Sounds just like my mum. She had ten children, six girls and four boys. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And Matthew, my mum. She could never refuse anybody either. And what about your dad? Oh, man, I don't know. We all had different fathers. But our mum used to say, you're all good Christian children. You got the same father in heaven. Ah, oh, well, she was right enough there, Matthew. <laughs> our mum used to say, God is love. And for the Lord's sake, she just never stopped loving. But she sent you to church regularly. <laughs> no, man, no. She never sent us. She took us. You know, Reverend, back home, our church had a tin roof. And when the rain came, you couldn't hear nothing of what the preacher was saying. <laughs> so then we just had to sing hymns. I tell you, if the Lord ever listened, he must have put cotton wool in his ears. <laughs> Yeah, man, hallelujah. Hallelujah indeed, Matthew. There was, there was Christian soldiers. That was one we used to sing. All the saints, that was another. And milk and honey. Jerusalem the golden. Mm -hmm. Jerusalem the golden. You got it, man. And my favorite. You know what that was? What was it? I played for you. triumphant bow before him gathered in from every race Alleluia Alleluia Praise with us the God of grace Heavens Above, released in the UK 23rd of May 1963 Directed, as we said, by the Bolting Brothers, starring Peter Sellers. And I'm not going to go through the rest of the cast list because I think this is probably one of the most impressive cast lists we've seen so far. On I the would Robert think Tenet. so, yeah. Um, we, we, mm, we're going to mention all of them at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Synopsis, please, sir. A clerical error in appointing clerics sends a charitable prison chaplain to a snobbish parish that should have been given an upper-class vicar of the same name. As a simple chaplain spreads his Christian charity, he upsets the social order of the town. Now, straight off the bat, you know my love for Peter Sellers, Peter Sellers movies. This is one, surprisingly, that I haven't seen. Right, OK. Um, there's not many. Um, and, and the only reason I was thinking about this, why haven't I seen this movie, I was always sort of put off not necessarily by the plot, but I had in my head an idea it was a completely different movie. For some reason, I thought that there is a connection in this movie to the space race. We'll get to that at some point. And, yeah. I, and I thought that was the focus of the film. And I'm thinking, it's about a vicar that goes into space. For some reason, I had the, the, the plot was completely different to what you know the, the plot actually is. And I just sort of avoided it, thinking, oh, it's not for me. I'll, I'll watch it when I get round to it. You know, it's going to be one of the last on the Peter Sellers that I, I get round to. Can I say thank you? I'm going to I'm gonna reveal my hand here. 
for for giving me a five star movie. Honestly, oh, yeah, honestly, I sat and watched this, and I'm thinking, my God, this is one of Peter Sellers' best movies. Not, and it's not necessarily because of Peter Sellers' performance, but just because of the supporting cast, the story, and the direction. It's it's a forgotten classic, I think, mate, and it should and, be spoke about. You yeah, know, yeah, and the script, it's it's got, you know, it's got lots of little witty one-liners in there that are almost throwaway that are easy to miss. Yeah, and Peter Sellers, as you say, I mean, he he does a does a good job of what he's doing, but he doesn't play he doesn't play this outlandish character no. like you know you're used to in a lot of other, his other films. He's he's very much downplaying it and very playing subdued, yeah. sim- simple mm. and subtle, mm. and it it works exactly what what it should be for the film. But yeah, I think it's been massively overlooked. I first saw this myself only five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and it stuck with me. You know, I've watched it a couple of times since, to be perfectly honest. I think I've watched it four times now. Yeah. Um, because it just stuck with me, and I just thought this is this is a, a sort of a, a forgotten gem. Yeah, really. I, wanted, I wanted to try and watch it again, but I just didn't have the time because I, I sat and watched it, and I'm thinking, oh, I've got time this week to get a second viewing of this, just to try and catch some of the things I may have missed but there is so much in this movie it's it's a, it's a good social commentary it's it's a very good comedy and I was just impressed from the outset you know it just it just gripped me from the beginning great I'm glad it's um glad it's not fallen flat because you know I was on what somebody can often consider as being an undiscovered gem or a forgotten gem Sometimes you wheel that out and you go, oh, this, you know, and people go, well, yeah, that's because it's not that good. Um, <laughs> and it's not, oh, it's not worn well with age or whatever. But this, I think, has, it's not flawless, but I think it's it's got, you know, a lot of um, points to it that do deserve to be, you know, spoken about and, and publicised to people and, and drawn to people's attention, absolutely. So I'm glad you felt that it was it was a worthwhile one and not only that, but also within the relativity of, of Peter Sellers' films, it was one that was that was worth drawing up there as well, to be yeah. honest. So great, I'm glad, I'm very glad about that. Yeah, it certainly isn't what I was imagining it to be one of the worst Peter Sellers movies. It's, it's one of the best. It's one of the better ones. You touched on the plot a wee bit at the beginning, and it's it's worth sort of expanding on that a bit. It's it's not a case of mistaken identity or, you know, a comedy of errors ensuing where, you know, the wrong person has been sent to the wrong town. It's very cleverly done that Peter Sellers has been appointed vicar to this this town that is so entrenched in its ways it's got a very sort of long history dating back hasn't it a couple of hundred years with this this family that's always been part of the village part of the town and and this this family has so much influence because it's it's the main sort of employer in the town as well hasn't it it's they've they've invented <laughs> they've invented this product i can't remember the name of it. what's it actually called Tra- tranquilax tranquilax that's it but it's a now, what is it? It's an antidepressant, a laxative, and something else all combined in yeah. one, isn't it? It's, it yeah, I mean, they the mention it a couple of times. It's a, a good foil for the comparison between um, what what 
he as the priest is um, showing as being the the freeing one, which is a, a, a false false thing that people are turning to, and the real freeing one that they should be turning exactly. to, which is the um, in the church with the the God, the Son, and the the Holy um, Ghost. Yeah. It's, um, it does have that parallels, and there's, yeah. there's, that's. That's one of the less subtle things it has in it, as far as comparisons. As you yeah. said, the social order of the town is deeply entrenched, even for the people at the very bottom of mm. the social order. Yep. They're, they're sort of entrenched with it and don't want. It. By the end of the film, it shows how everybody is so bought into it that they turn. They turn, they the only way they end up united is by turning against him yes. for the for this, the changes which have been brought about which have all been done through the goodness of his heart. I think as a character, I think there's a, a, a mistaken belief that the, the character is naive. Yes. And I think there's a few points in it where it shows that he's, he's not naive at all. He sees exactly what's going on as far as people taking the piss and, and exploiting him and all this kind of stuff without it being that he's doing it thinking that he, everything's going good. He knows full well what's going on around him that's going on behind his back, but he's just he's too got, positive and good-hearted to yeah. actually let that stop him. He's got this eternal optimism, hasn't he, that he's, he's doing the right thing and people are going to respond to what he's trying to introduce into the town. And he's not introducing anything initially too drastic, is it? It's just genuine Christian beliefs, isn't it? That's all it is. It's be, be good to one another and look after your fellow man. But obviously it gets the, the backup of the more sort of entrenched members of the community that have like, well, no, this isn't how we do things here. This is, you know, because as we say, it's it's a, a mistaken identity, a case of mistaken identity that he's got the same name yes. as the vicar who's played marvellously by Ian Carmichael with the most comedy, you know, teeth. brilliant set of, yeah, vicar comedy teeth, you, you know, sort of went out with Dick Emery in the 70s. And it's just for a case of mistaken identity, he gets this position in the local parish, and people are going along with it until they realise that a mistake has been made. And I just think it is so funny, because it could develop into farce, but it doesn't. It's As you said earlier, the writing makes it just become something else. It takes it up another level, I think. And, and one thing about Peter Sellers is, with his optimism, as you said, he comes across as very genuine, I think, in this. I'm going to tell you one of my favourite lines. I wrote this down. Peter Sellers says this town is full of people who call themselves Christians but from what I've seen of it I wouldn't mind taking a bet there aren't enough real Christians about to feed one decent lion absolutely the there's the, the witty lines in there and it does show how every every part of the, the society is the take a pop at they yeah. take a pop at the church despite mm. it being a, a film about a, a good Christian um, but the church establishment, it takes a pop at them that they're not wanting to upset the social order and they want to make sure that they, they receive the donations um, from the rich people, but don't actually use that donation for, for you know, doing any, any necessarily any good. They want to, you know, there's the shopkeepers, there's even the trade unionists, there's the, every section of the, and the other religions as well, the Methodists, every section of the community gets upset by doing good things and their own hypocrisy being exposed, really, and the social order being upset that they're all so bought in that 
they can't let it go and they need to actually just turn on him, the, the good man, for trying to actually point out where they've been doing it wrong all the time. Uh, but the lines, yeah, there's lots there's lots of you know, witty lines in there. I know that right at the beginning when he has um, Peter's, Brock Peter's, when it, Matthew, the, the, um, the bin man, that yeah. gives them <laughs> a lift and um, he's saying about um, his him being from a family of, of seven brothers and sisters and um, that um, they all had different dads and that's uh, right. so well your, your mother obviously couldn't say no either <laughs> but the thing yeah, is stuff, Sellers, like, stuff like that it's just Sellers plays this straight though doesn't he it's not a comedic role for him at all it's, it's oh absolutely yeah it's dramatic it's a straight dramatic role for him which which really surprised me because then it makes it makes the comedy even funnier I think because he's so dry in his delivery and, and, yeah. and so sincere um, there's no funny voices there's no, no you know there's no comedy falls. There's no, you know, there's nothing of him playing like three or four different roles within the same film of different people, um, where he's talking to himself when he's seen. Yeah. So it may be all right for Charlie. Um, <laughs> so we, you know, we've got all of that in there where he's just playing a, a straight role, and it's the stuff going on around him, the situation, and then the witty lines that it, that provides the comedy. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, not the usual Peter Sellers in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I was expecting comic Peter Sellers, but what I got was something surprising, and then surprising in a good way as well, um, in his performance. You, you mentioned Brock Peters there. That surprised me. That guy, it was a Hollywood star. He, you know, it appeared in To Kill a Mockingbird probably the year before, I think it may have been. Yes, 62. it was, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm thinking... Wow, this is great! You know, we've got some real. We're going to mention this cast at some point, but immediately Brock Peters is one of the one of the people you see straight away. And I'm like, well, where's this going? You know, because there's also a nod to Stanley Kubrick as well. Because when he when he first arrives and, and does his first yeah. sermon, yeah, the, isn't yeah. the boy reading a copy of Lolita? Yeah, which Peter Sellers was in. <laughs> it was in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of genuine sort of like in jokes and nods to other things and. It, it's a bigger scale movie than I genuinely expected it to be. Even though it is quite, it, it, it's, it's not on a massive set. You know that that village itself. I hope that's a real place because I, I want to go and visit that that place. That was amazing. It's how you picture like a Miss Marple or a a Midsummer or something, isn't it? That the whole location. Miss, Miss Marple. Oh, ah. yeah, well, she was there, wasn't she? <laughs> Miss Hickson again. The Hickson in this movie yet again. Incredible. Should, should we talk yeah. about this cast? I mean, let's 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 just deal with the cast that is yeah uh, needs doing doesn't it immediately on on watching this i thought stephen has deliberately picked a movie in an effort to try and outdo me and getting as many people into the village hall of fame as possible in one fell sweep it was it was it was accidental <laughs> but i think that's that's exactly the outcome regardless of whether i meant it or not that is exactly what's happened it, yeah it is i'm i make it three new inductees into the village hall of fame now but the listeners who, who aren't aware the village hall of fame we're, we're not grand enough to have a hall of fame here at real britannia so we've got something a slightly smaller scale it's the Village Hall of Fame. It'll barely fill a Village Hall, uh, you know, uh, uh, inductees. But for everybody that's appeared on the podcast three times or more, but you know, we just give them a little nod and say, there you go, inducted into the Village Hall of Fame. I've got three new inductees. I, I think you said you might have another, and possibly there's a few snapping at the heels here as well. I've got, I've got six. 
six inductees. Okay, shall I give you my three that I'm, I'm then, definitely yeah. aware of? Joan Hickson previously appeared in Theatre of Blood and Seven Days to Noon, so she goes in. Yep. William Hartnell previously appeared yep. in Hell Drivers and Carry On Sergeant, so he gets inducted. And I've got Eric Barker, Three Hats for Lisa and Carry On Sergeant. So there's three. You reckon we've got a couple more? Yeah, uh, we've got um, Eric Sykes. The Plank. The Plank. And... I forgot about The Plank, yeah. And uh, Theatre of Blood. He was the detective, wasn't he? Yeah. Excellent, of course. Yep. Very excited. So we've also got a fourth appearance um, from Marianne Stone, who she's uh, when the initial scene <laughs> where they're in the um, the bishop's office and he walks out telling them to send the letter off to Smallwood. Yes. She she instructs that her underling to go and just get it out of the Miss Palmer, out, isn't she? Yeah. 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 Um, this is her fourth appearance. Wow. Now, this uh, is one of these ones that we said that it's, it's not going to be yeah. big names, is it? It's going to be those, oh, it's that person that was in. And she was in Night to Remember. I remember in a Night to Remember. She, well, that's, oh, I didn't know she was in Night to Remember. She yeah. was in seven, uh, seven Day to, um, Till Noon. Um, in this, obviously, Yield to the Night, because she was one of the um, prison oh, officers. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that would take the lights. And she was also in Hell Drivers, apparently. I've just got yes, she was, and so it's a fifth appearance then, rather than a fourth appearance. So that's even, you know, she's almost doubled herself wow. in appearance. This is this is something that um, it's these people who play the supporting roles, yeah, that reoccur in multiple multiple films. It's not the likes of Peter Sellers and Ian Carmichael and such like this that are, no. are the stars of films that are, we're actually experience and are going into the village hall of fame it's these background characters um similarly we've got um um miles Mallison, who plays the the psychiatrist in this yes i, I um, thought he'd um, crop up sooner rather than later yeah. so this is and three for this him? is his th- third one yeah because um previously he was in 39 steps and he was in um he was in um scrooge christmas carol he was indeed he was yeah. indeed yep and he's going to crop up. Uh, oh, well, he crops up in all sorts of things, yeah. yeah. We're going to see him in everything coming, <coughs> yeah. coming up soon. There's there's so many things, healing comedies yeah. and even sort of hammer That's horrors it. and that. So, Yeah, wow. and the other one yeah. is um, Eric Barker. Who I mentioned the, Eric Barker. The bank manager. Yeah, I mentioned Eric. Um, yeah, Eric Barker, so you've got him. So, um, so yeah, as I say, you mentioned Hickson, you mentioned uh, Marianne Stone, Miles Mallison, and, and Eric Sykes. So that's that's what I've got as been. Um, there's a, as you say, there's a few that have become um, into one step away, but uh, we'll we'll be catching up with them in a in a very near future. Right. I mean, one of them is one of the main characters in this, which is um, Cecil Parker, who plays the the archdeacon. Um, I mean, he's He's bound to crop up again before oh. very long. He's one of the main characters in this, but yeah. um, he's, you know, littered throughout the yeah. the classics of British cinema, isn't he? So one of my favourite um, performances by him is the Lady Killers, the evening comedy. So that's gonna yeah. that will come up at some point. But also, there's Irene Handel, who you know has got a main role here as as, as the wife of Eric Sykes, which I thought was quite bizarre. But you've got little sort of almost cameos and you're thinking oh my god there's um roy kinnear you know yes. ha- hasn't got a major part to play in this but it's like oh 
The milkman was Rodney Bewes. You don't even hardly see his face. But as the milkman yeah. comes in back with his full milk flow, it's, it's Rodney Bewes. It must, must be his very first role. Derek Nimmo is in the background towards the end. Yes. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, yeah. Thorley Waters, who we saw in The Man Who Haunted Himself, he, he's got a part in this. Kenneth Griffith. There's even the, the, the guy that plays the son of the, the aristocratic family is a, is a guy called Mark Eden. Yes, yeah. Younger listeners will know Mark Eden as... Wasn't he Rita's boyfriend in Coronation Street that got run over by the it's, tram? Alan, Brad- yeah, Alan yeah. Bradley? Uh, yeah, something like that. I seem to remember he was he was in Coronation Street yeah. um, and playing uh, uh, the, the villain yeah. in the piece. Yeah, that's Mark Eden, but he's he's the sort of like the handsome lead in, in this, surprisingly as well. And it wasn't until I looked into this that he actually had a part in writing it. Malcolm Muggeridge is in this. Yes. Which is quite yeah. surprising because he was at the time he was the wasn't he the BBC's religious commentator wasn't he I think at the time yeah that was his sort of his his, his role job. was involving I mean the the they it was mainly around religion where he was making the the commentary I think so yeah and um, and, and <laughs> yeah he 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 put his input into this along with the the Bolton brothers who. Mm. Um, who was, you know, this is only their second appearance, but imagine the Bolton brothers as well. They'd be um, rocketing towards the Village Hall of Fame before they long. Got so uh, many films under their belt. There are so many films that you think, oh my God, they they were responsible for that and that. Well, and this he, is it. Yeah, when yeah. this I I first saw this five years ago, um, and thought, why well, I've never seen this before. Yeah. And it was only I think on my second watch of it a year or two later that I sort of you know paid a bit more attention to who had been involved in making it and I realised that the Bolton brothers, I realised that I actually like quite a lot of their films and, mm. and they're, they're, they're actually one a, a go-to for me. As I say, I can see them getting into the Village Hall of Fame because they're, they're ones that I like a lot of their films and they've done some amazing ones of different different ilk. I mean, Brighton Rock as well as doing this yeah. and then I'm Alright Jack and and you know private progress i mean this is this is put together this film in a sort of an unofficial trilogy of, of taking um a proper establishment via private progress and ammo right jack um yeah. one taking the, the pay out of soldiers and the military and the other one taking the pay out of trade unions yeah but this is you know seen as being a bit of an unofficial trilogy um in that <laughs> respect but um, but absolutely the Bolton brothers mm. as well. But Michael Mudridge, as you say, him, you know, is playing him himself almost. You know, it's it's there's a couple of of the cameo things in there like that that you just think, blimey, that's him or that's her. Yeah, and in in, in the other movie, you know, Roy Kinnear would have had a bigger part, or or even Ian Carmichael. You know, he would have been the star of this. But it's it's just given a couple of lines, and and he's he's used with great comedic effect like i say with these these comic teeth that is just just turns it into sort of farce a wee bit and and a lot of the people that you see in this movie would go on to other bolting brothers movies or would have appeared in previous bolting brothers movies they had their set favorites and i think what they do is they just try and slot them in where they can these little faces at the background um it's not just little faces though is it it's small faces too well played sir well played. Go on, explain oh, that comment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Steve Marriott, yes. who was in the uh, Small Faces, the, the rock band, he um, plays 
Um, one the, of the many, many, the, many kids. Many, one of the many children, perhaps <laughs> the, the the main son, um, child actor yeah. uh, of Eric Sykes and Irene Handel. Um, so that's um, that's a, again another little nod there that he buried away in yeah. there is is somebody who went on to other things, he not was, acting, but his, yeah. you know. You look actually on his IMDb page. This was one of the last sort of things that he did before you know, pop stardom took over. But up to this point, he was, you know, he was on stage, I think it was the Artful Dodger in the original version or one of the original productions of Oliver. You see him in a lot of Children's Film Foundation stuff with like a young Dennis Waterman or I think Phil Collins, you know, in a similar vein was a child actor and they sort of appeared in the same sort of movies together round about this time and totally surprised me because I thought, I know that face. And I'm, and I'm looking, I'm thinking... But it can't be, you know. And I had to. I took a screenshot and I put it on the Facebook group. Um, that it was just a young Steve Marriott, and I was totally unaware that he had this acting career before he, you know, before he found the Small Faces. Um, incredible. This is this is the cast. This is the thing that got me. Was this cast? Miriam Carlin's in there again. In any other movie, Miriam Carlin, she's a fantastic actress, went on to find fame, you know, a few years later in the rag trade, but scandalously underused, but effective. All the, all the cast in this are effectively used, and it's, it, it, I found myself sort of like watching the background thinking, there's, there's more famous faces here, and, and it was, I was trying to keep me on, keep me focused onto the plot. William Hart. Yeah, Hull. Miriam William... Carlin managed to deliver every single bit of her dialogue from from behind a cigarette. Yes. I don't think she, at any point did she not deliver some dialogue with a cigarette yeah. half hanging out of her mouth. It was yeah. it was it was just um that that is just a skill. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean I'm not a big fan of smoking, but being able to do that to the way that she did it was just There's only a few amazing. actors and actresses that can do it. I think yeah. yeah, she's the queen of that. Eric Sykes playing against type here. I don't think I've ever seen Eric Sykes in this sort of role before. You know, you always imagine Eric Sykes as as you know Sykes and Hattie Jakes, or yeah. as as we've seen him in in the plank, or even like the bumbling detective in in Theatre of Blood, as you mentioned earlier. I I think he plays that well. I really do. It's it's just it was a real sort of breath of fresh air to see Eric Sykes doing something different. Um, and Irene Handel playing Irene Handel. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, she she plays that character in every single movie. It surprised me that she was like. I don't know what age she was at this particular time, but she's coming across she's a, a younger woman. But it's no, one of those that's always looked exactly the same. Yeah. They've, they've always looked like fifty or sixty. She always you know, plays a mother, doesn't she? That's the thing. But it, it's normally an older mother, isn't she? Benny Hill's mum in the Italian Job. I think uh, she might be. I, yeah, I think she. Yeah, I think she is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was. You know, she was. She was born at the turn of the century, so she. You know, she was in her older, 60s, but yeah. she was. She just carried on for for many years. I mean, you know, with the um, for the love of Ada, yeah. back you know up until the seventies and, and stuff. So she was, you know, she carried on for. And then obviously, when we do the film version of Metal Mickey, um, <laughs> then uh, she'll, be... she'll appear in that. But um, yeah, she was right up until the eighties, and she was in her eighties um, when when all that was kicking off. So, so she's a sixty-year-old woman she in this. She died. Yeah, so she's a sixty-year-old woman in this movie. I don't know. It just it just struck me as like slightly incongruous that she's playing Eric Sykes' wife, but it, it was funny. It was funny, and 
just checking the date of release. I mentioned earlier, 23rd of May 1963, this was released in the UK. Doctor Who first screened, I think it was November 63. So this must be one of the last William Hartnell performances before he became Doctor Who. It must be, yeah. Isn't it? It's the same year. Incredible, incredible. Because, again, William Hartnell playing movie William Hartnell, the slightly pompous military type, um, which he does so well, you know. But most people only know him as as Doctor Who. And I'd, I'd encourage anybody to seek out a William Hartnell movie performance. I mean, Brighton Rock we're going to do very soon, I hope. He's yes. fantastic in that. He was the perfect, perfect cast for um, Carry On Sergeant. Um, yes. And, and in Hell Drivers, we, we totally admired him in that. Another one, I think he's just another one of those British character actors that's scandalously not spoken about enough. I think he was, because he appeared in so much as well, so many important British movies of the 50s and the 60s. Yeah, I mean, me and you are both fans of Doctor Who and, and classic Doctor Who as well. Yes. Um, particularly. So we're not in any way denigrating Doctor Who um, as as something to be enjoyed or to be aware of or mm. any of that, but it is a fact that William Hartnell had a, a wonderful career of, of great performances before Doctor Who came about. Yeah. And without Doctor Who, he should still be recognised as being... Um, a figure of note within British film and television. Um, The Doctor Who thing just sort of catch it all off and, and, you know, solidified it. But absolutely, he has that pedigree from his earlier films. And although there was certain stereotyping in some respects, he, you know, he did a a variety of role and was actually um, incredible in what he, he did as a performer. Yeah. So, yeah. but I think in this, I think in again, like you said about Ian Carmichael and Cecil Parker and a lot of the others, there's so many people crammed into this, but they use them just enough, yeah, without them overshadowing anybody else, and it works, and that's I think the beauty of this that they they could have, like you said, they could have just made it a film just about the two priests who had the mistaken identity. They could have done a film about the other priest, the other. Um, Smallwood. Um, <laughs> there could have been showing a parallel of where he was in a, a, a worse area where he probably should have been. Um, the Peter Sellers should have been sent. They yeah. could have been showing those two in, in juxtaposition with each other all the way through, but they didn't. They didn't show any of that. It was a cameo, uh, pretty yeah, much, it was wasn't a, it? It was a cameo, and that m- made it all the more, more worthwhile because they weren't trying to actually. Um, use that as a foil yeah they, they had enough material in what they were doing to make it work um exactly as it needed to and the performances were there the script was there it was you know decently shot and i, I think that, that there was pay force in there you know with the things with you know the the um toy donkey being you know left behind when there's the the family scarpers and all yes. these kind of things. It's yeah. it's it's all it's it's all in there. I know there are some people who dispute whether the ending quite works. I don't know about your feelings on on that. How you felt about the actual ending to the film? The the movie sort of had surprises all the way along. It, it wasn't predictable in any way. I couldn't have said right, this is going to happen at this point, and he's going to be doing this because it it, it it's a, a unique screenplay as far as I'm concerned. It wasn't anything I'd seen previously. And of course, as the last 
sort of 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it completely changes. And this is the bit that I thought that the movie was going to be. I thought it was about, you know, he's going to be the first priest in space or something. You know, that's my whole impression of what this movie was. Priest in <laughs> space. <laughs> and I don't know. It sort of tied it up quite nicely, but it tied it up quite quickly. I think that last 10 minutes, I don't know. It just seemed tacked on at the end. I don't know if that was the intention that that was how the film was going to end from the start. I liked it. I, li- I liked the ending, but it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, it, it, I did, uh, yeah, I did feel it was a bit thrown in there as being a concluder. Not necessarily that it was bad, but they could have they could have maybe given a tease towards it earlier on. Yes. Or they've been, been in some way a mention earlier on in the film that could have been mentioned that the, just a, a casual conversation between the you know the bishop and the archdeacon at some point talk you just mentioned about that they've been asked to to send somebody and that or oh, they've been or oh, just some mention of of the space element yeah. earlier on might have meant it was tied in rather than it looked like it was um it was a forced ending the, um yeah uh, it worked though. I'm not saying it's, it's a yeah, 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 bad ending. Yeah. I don't know. It could have been. It could have been done differently. But how do you tie up something like like that? You know, where would the film have gone otherwise? But as you say, it, it hadn't been signposted at all. It was just like, oh, okay, so he's going there now. But it's, it's okay. It's, it's it's not a problem. It's not an issue. And as you say, it's a smaller part that's 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 it's done quite quickly. So the the bulk of the film is still. About the um, the social order in the village or the small town and how that interplays with each other, and I think that's the the important bit because I mean that does very subtly cover you know the snobbishness um, to some extent, racism and and things. It, it's it's covered in there, but it's not in your face. Yeah. It's just it's it's the subtle references that you know the odd the odd comment by one of the snobby yeah. you know. The villagers towards um, Brock Peters as you know as the only black man in the village, um, and how he's actually more more godly and Christian than the the rest of them put together. But I think there's, somebody there's just lots, says there's yeah. lots of these little references in there, and the you know the Protestants against the Catholics, and lots of tiny little bits in there. But they're not they're not made into being something they're not pushed in your face are they no no and and they're very much same as the witty lines you know they move on quickly enough that you you watch it again you'll be picking up um lines and and phrases and little things you'll be going i don't remember that last time no this is why i wanted to watch it again yeah i wanted to um, watch it pretty much straight after you know but i just didn't have the time this week to watch it a second time this is probably this is 1963, so this will be the last movie that Peter Sellers makes before the Pink Panther. And of course, as we know, you know he was he was fairly famous, certainly in this country, at this point. But I think the Pink Panther is is the the stepping stone that sends him off to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you know his last homegrown product before his his international fame was this, and it's it's the one that is overlooked incredibly, and I'm guilty of that. And I hold my hands up of overlooking this movie, and and I'll encourage anybody, even if they're not a massive fan of Peter Sellers, you, because Peter Sellers isn't the heart of this story, even though he is. I think 
it, there's he's, a lot of things not, going about. Yeah, he's, he's not the Peter Sellers that most people know. No, not at all. Not at all in this. And and in a way, he just does things so subtly. It's the actions of the other people and the reactions as well that make the story, that make the plot. And he's just there in the background, just orchestrating it without without preaching too much, you know, to, to, for, for want of a better phrase. You know, he's not there. It, 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 as I say, I don't think he is the central character because there's so many other people in this. It's just a huge ensemble piece, I think. I think that's the best way of describing this. Yeah, I think in, in, in you know, he's, he's a plot link um, as a character rather than being the main character in, in some ways. Yeah. You know, he's almost a MacGuffin himself, you know, but... Um, it, it's as you say, it's got so many other performances around it, and so many a little vignette of stories going on. You know, the the quarrelling neighbours, the two women who are, who are bickering over the fence and fighting, and and all this kind yeah. of stuff. And it it there's so many little pieces that it just throws in there, and then it moves on. And yeah. not not because it's a shame to actually spend more time on it. It's not because it's it's completely worthless. It's just because it's showing that broad broad sweep of the of the minutiae of life and doing it in an incredibly good way and it's it's why for me I wanted to bring this forward to you because it it was one that I wasn't aware that you'd actually missed entirely yeah. but I was aware that a lot of other people weren't aware of. So and the effect it's had on you, I hope is an effect it's had on it will have on other people yeah. watching it. I'd be you know, interested um, to hear back on that. From from the point of it being sort of very satirical it hasn't got the punch that say i'm all right jack or or was it private's progress possibly had but at the same time i think it's peter sellers one of his very best performances and it's very understated and sort of in conclusion from my side here as i said at the beginning an instant five-star movie for me oh and it's one that i'm gonna go be going back to very soon and very often i think um Obviously, you are a big fan. If you've watched it four or five times in five years, yeah, it's something yeah. that you're a big fan of, obviously. Yeah, and I would recommend people, you know, make a point of, of trying to see it if they if they can, because it's a not an all all out, you know, rip roaring um, attempt at comedy in the same way that you would have with, say, a, a normal wisdom or a carry on, which is looking to make you laugh all the way through. Yeah, the laughs are the laughs are in there, but if you don't laugh. At certain jokes in there or witty lines, it doesn't detract from the the film. So no. you can either you can either find it funny or find it not funny, and it doesn't don't change anything as far as um, you know the worthwhile of watching the film. The same way that you, like you said, the subtlety of it and the fact that Peter Sellers, great Peter Sellers performance, but him not being Peter Sellers means that even people who don't like him as a performer will actually see this in a different light and think, well, actually, I. I that that one wasn't a problem for me, so um, yeah, I'd recommend you know people in general to to look this out and and have a watch of it because um, it, it is a, a a lost gem. Definitely. Okay, that that wraps right. it up for for heavens above. Let's take a short break because we're both about to have a coughing fit by the sound of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back after this with what we're watching next time. <laughs>
Okay, Stephen, what we are watching next time is down to me. We're going to jump forward 10 years to 1973. We're going to dip our toe into a genre that we haven't really examined over the last 20 plus episodes. We're going into sort of mystery horror. We're going into gothic horror almost. Probably one of the most famous horror films this country has ever produced. We reviewed it on the Stinking Paws a couple of years back. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on The Wicker Man. Oh, I was hoping that was where it was going. Yes. Um, And if you can, watch the version that's got the extra scenes in it. They recovered some extra scenes a few years ago and did like a restored version. Um, Right, okay. Only adds about five or ten minutes to it, but... Uh, there's some very interesting parts that have been added. Not the end of the world if you can't. You know, I'm not going to burn you in at the stake if uh, if you don't find that copy. But um... <laughs> hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, I've given away the ending. Um, a film described as the it's citizen. All gone up in flames. It's all gone up in flames. <laughs> it's a film described as the Citizen Kane of horror movies. Apparently, Total Film named it the sixth greatest British film of all time. Uh, it's it's in Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments and it was even used as part of the Summer Olympics in 2012 of the opening ceremony celebrating British cinema so we've got a lot to talk about it's one of the most iconic British movies and I think a lot of people may have seen it so we'll have a lot to say Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it it's, um, it's a film I've seen a number of times but um, it's never... Never um, a problem to have a rewatch of it, considering uh, the quality of it. So let's let's do it. Give it another go. Okay, Stephen, it has been a pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you very much, man. Too. I will see you next week for the Wicker Man. Will do. Yes, mate. Cheers, mate. See you soon. Take care. Bye, bye. Positive shot. Positive shot. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.